Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back into another edition of the Just Press Play podcast. We got Pops and LJ back Sir. with us again. How's it going? Oh, you know, going just good. living. This week, we don't have any kind of ad we want to try to push to you. We actually have something better. We, If you've listened to the Just Press Play for a while, you know we are a big fan of the nurses out there. Ah, and yes. it is now National Nurses Week. Every year it takes place from May 6th to May 12th. So we just wanted to give a huge shout out to all of the nurses out there, especially. Yeah. We always want to give a shout out to nurses, but especially right now yeah. with everything they've been going through and are going through. Yeah. We just want to, from the JPP, a huge shout out to all the nurses. And, and if you know a nurse out there, shoot them a text, give them a call, just tell them. Shout out to you. 100%. Yeah, for yeah, real. Yeah. They, they do a lot of work. Yeah, yeah no Stop kidding. now and send Aunt Christy something, like right now? Yeah, or? I think, yeah, if you, if you yeah, could. Yeah, it's just live on air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Happy Nurses Week, but Aunt. Yeah. See us. <laughs> it, it, it's just the nurses out there, there's a lot of people doing a lot of great work. I mean, you got even, even, even the like grocery workers who aren't, you don't consider them like nurses. They're important. Like everybody out there working during Well, this I think if, if your job has de- been deemed uh, essential in this whole pandemic, then like a plus to you every day of your life. Shout like yeah. you were doing something important for all of us. And I'm sorry we hadn't noticed it up until now, but hell yeah, you're doing a great job. I was going to say, right, I'm so, deemed, I'm deemed essential, but I feel a little less important than a nurse. Hell but. yeah. You're doing a great job. I can't get gas without you. I can't get well, gas without. Well, I can, you can. Yes, you can. Well, <laughs> you know what else is essential in these times? It's essential that we watch the last dance. Cause it is the best thing. That I've been it able to surpass Tiger past. King in uh, in views. Oh, for sure. So yeah, there's it. actually some Tiger oh. King news that we might get to a little later. Oh, but um, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Last Dance episodes five and six have now aired. Uh, I, we're gonna go through a couple of different takeaways, but one thing pops that I want to shout out, or at least it, it needs its own documentary, probably. I don't think people remember just how awesome Charles Barkley was. Oh my god. And Thank God. I'm I'm Charles Barkley. And that didn't do him uh, enough. That didn't uh, do him enough. Charles Barkley was a baller. I mean, he was fantastic. He Yeah, really he got an was. MVP season in the middle of Michael Jordan's prime. I don't know how I didn't know that. That's amazing. And Hakeem Olajuwon's prime. I mean, it was there's yeah. some really good there were some really good ballers yeah. there. And Barkley was right there, cream of the crop. Just as good. He just happened, you know, it just sucks. You just happened to play at the same time as Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of truth to that. With a team not quite as good as the Bulls. Um, and and that kid, that savage on the sideline saying, Don't take it personally, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I just like uh, I kind of one of those people, they're not a lot. Like some people look at just stats or whatever. Like there's a lot of the arguments going around or he's actually started the argument himself because there's this big feud between Draymond Green and Charles Barkley. <laughs> yeah. And I respect Draymond Green for what he does with the Warriors. Like he is a very important person even if he only gets like his averages are like 10, 7 and 6 or something or whatever. I think he's a very important player, but there is no way in hell he is better than Charles no. Barkley. Just watching <laughs> some of those. And those are just like brief highlights. That wasn't even really getting. Yeah, it was like three minutes of Chuck. Of Chuck yeah. Well, and you're talking about when he was at Phoenix, right? And and yeah, probably, right. I would say Barkley was slightly past his complete prime. Yeah. I mean, when he was in he was a little Philly, older at the he, time. Was, he was a yeah. baller in Philly and still playing. I mean, 
they they had an opportunity if Kevin Johnson doesn't play so bad in, in some of those games in that series. Which Kevin Johnson's a, who was a, a legit all-star, oh, right? Legit all-star, but he had a bad series. I, I I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know that he had some games that were really below his par. If he plays up to anything near his potential, Barkley they still had a chance to win that. And I think yeah. I think Barkley was just he doesn't get his due. You're right. Everybody thinks he's just a fat, jolly old dude now. And he yeah. He was a baller. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's the fat guy that didn't win any any titles. It's like, he was really, really good. Well, so really like, good. Um, I, th- I saw him more as that golf swing and a Space Jam star is kind of who I saw him <laughs> as. But, like, you know, dude's a hero. That golf swing doesn't help him at that all. That golf swing was <laughs> fugly, really fugly. <laughs> um, speaking of the, uh, the stats, Pops, just in that 93 NBA Finals, so MJ averaged – I love when we just look at some of the MJ averages because they're oh, insane. Oh, they're stupid. But MJ went – 41 points per game, 8.5 rebounds, 6.3 assists, and almost two steals and a block, shooting 51% while playing 45 minutes a game. Very impressive. Very impressive. Poor old, poor Barkley, all he was able to average in that series <laughs> was 27 points, 13 rebounds, five and a half assists, five and a half assists while playing more than 46 minutes a game. Just Damn. for anybody out there that's unclear, there's 48 minutes <laughs> in the entire game. So Barkley's pretty much playing the entire game and just dominating. And then that game four that is also known as the double nickel game for MJ, where he put up 55. That uh, The round mound in that game put up just a small 32, 12, and 10 with three steals and shot 53% playing all but two minutes of the game. Like Charles Damn. Barkley was so good yeah. in that series, and Michael Jordan was just better. And look yeah, at those rebound better. numbers. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Barkley was a shade shorter than, than Jordan. I think so, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was like 6'6", six, six, and Jordan was like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, yeah, well, he's I remember grabbing, Barkley being listed at six four. He might have been a little more than that, but I remember him being listed at six four back in the day. And well, Jordan and was listed know. at six six, is what I recollect. But Barkley's rebounding totals—he was a—he was a re- he was a beast. He was a beast. I mean, he was just a beast. He was a beast. Well, yeah, I just—it's cool that line he had where he was like, "That was the first time I'd ever felt like there was anybody in the whole world that was a better basketball player than me." Because you know, he spent his entire life being the best basketball player in his, and at least in his mind. And, Anywhere he played, fair. yeah, it's fair. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what I really enjoyed is like, I, as in general, I like Charles Barkley as a I, I, now as an analyst because I just think you get legit his thoughts. Like he's not really trying to sugarcoat it for anybody. He's not even if it's his friend, he's just yeah. gonna tell you how he really thought. 100%. And even then, they had a flashback to before, and he was like, "That was when I played. I thought I played really good, and I just he was better. He carried his team better. He led his team better. He just gave all the props to Jordan. And I mean." Shout out to Chuck, because that's hard to do. That's hard to – because, like you're saying, LJ, he was the best player on the court every time. If not, he at least thought – like, even when he wasn't watching Jordan win championships, he probably thought, <clears throat> if I ever got a chance, yeah, exactly. I could I could play with him. Give me and, a team, whatever, yeah. yeah. Well, when Barkley came in just, the league, uh, tell me – he played with Dr. J. You know, Dr. J was towards the end of his career, uh, uh, no doubt. But I He mean, did play with him. I've just seen it in documentary stuff. I don't know how – you would know more than me, but, probably. But Barkley was a better player, certainly at that time. I mean, you know, Dr. J is, is an iconic figure. Um, but I, I'll be honest, watching them both play, I mean, and I love Dr. J. I mean, Barkley had a, probably a better outside shot, better rebounding numbers. I mean, gosh, is this sacrilege to say Barkley <laughs> might have be. been a better player than Julius Irving? But this is the thing. I, he, doesn't get the, he doesn't get the props. Someone needs to say it, and I'm glad you are. Someone needs to say yeah. it. yeah. No, that's the thing. Is like I was talking with a friend. I was like, Dr. J, I mean, not Dr. J. I was like, Charles Barkley, I don't know. He's one of, he's up there and like, he wasn't like Shaq good. And I was like, I don't know. I think he, he they're, I mean, comparable, at least not like uh, different style players, but just how much they impacted the game. Like Charles is really good. And they're like, nah, it's not even close. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I just think no one, no one re- remembers Charles, like my age, at least. So maybe we can get a, like a last dance with Chuck, like last, the last meal. So can I, this might transition us, but one thing I I thought about was uh, someone who is the best player on his team for his entire life and then ended up in a room with people and everybody on the team was better than him. Man, Christian Leitner on that dream team. He is not even close. (laughs) Well, yeah, he he just sticks out like a sore thumb. He's in there with the 11 Hall of Fame and Christian Leitner. (laughs) Do y'all remember, did they have to put a college player on there? There was something to that because, you know. Anything to keep Isaiah Thomas off. Well, and (laughs) that is something that we need to talk about uh, because, I mean, Isaiah Thomas was not on that team and Christian Leitner was? (laughs) Are you kidding me? 
Well, and Shaq was playing at that point, right? Like they could have had a little baby yeah, Shaq. Yeah, Christian Leitner made it over Shaquille O'Neal and Alonzo Mourning, who are both yeah. very good players too, at that style of position, a big man. There was something about they wanted one college level player. There was something to that. I'll have to. Look the that Team up. USA reserved one spot on the team for a college player, so Leitner didn't take the place of any NBA star. So they literally had a spot that was going to go to the best college player. Okay, fair enough. And that's where Leitner came in. So yeah, you're right, Dad. But man, but he yeah, was the best he, player on every like team he had ever been on until he's sitting in there with Jordan, Magic, Pippen. I mean, everybody on that team was better than him. So Everybody. But can we just talk about how awesome it would have been to be a fly on the wall during that practice that they were talking about? Oh my about, God. Where they were just I just want to be it. on that bus <laughs> afterwards is where I want to be. <laughs> oh, that looked awesome. Well, and yeah. that's what bringing that up. I, I, wanted, I guess I alluded to it. I want to say this quickly. Poor Isaiah Thomas. In a way, I feel sorry for he missed out on. Can you imagine hanging with that? He deserved group? to be there. Yeah, he deserved to be there. He is that yeah. good. And I think they made it clear. Even the guys who, it, there was just the Pistons. The way they played, you know this better than me. But the way the Pistons played, they just pretty much went at odds with everybody. everybody. Yeah. And I, Jordan for sure didn't want. And it might have been enough if Jordan didn't want him. That might have been enough. But. I think there was Jordan didn't want him. Larry Bird didn't like well, him. According Magic to the documentary, yeah, of most the of the rest of the team didn't want him, and and Jordan didn't even ask about it. But you know, maybe maybe Magic right. did. Jordan maybe. definitely. I, of course he did. Of course yeah. he did. <laughs> yeah, he may have never he mentioned might not him by name, plain words, but like, yeah. he. It well, was I do like they did bring it up. They they were like uh, he was like who's on the team, and they said the one person you're going to ask about's not on the team, and he was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, so he didn't specifically say he can't be on, but yeah, Jordan made it clear. I think. Mm-hmm that IT was not going to be on there. But, but hey, there that, is a little you're right, part Pops, of me. You're that, right. That does suck that he's not there because he, he deserved to be on, there. That would have been awesome. And I would man, be heartbroken if I was him. But yeah. I mean, he did it to himself. And he sounds heartbroken. Oh, he, he's got to be heartbroken. Yeah. yeah. Well, just imagine the fraternity. Like, yeah, being in that, in that practice, that one practice, mm-hmm. only 12 people can say what it felt like to be in there. You know, well, and that's amazing. And you're right, LJ. Not just that practice would be awesome. The bus ride, not just that one bus ride, all the bus rides yeah. that practice. Just the hang. Being, just, it was so fun for us just to get to see the few moments of like Bird and Magic and Jordan just, just talking like we would talk. Yeah. Right? Not, we think of them as these gods because i yeah. mean they were amazing but it was just them chilling just hanging yeah. out and and isaiah didn't get any of it speaking of which he had to and we can and definitely it. come back to the dream team but that just really reminded me and i really want to talk about them talking about that that little laker kid um in yeah. that all-star game <laughs> yeah that was so cool well so that whole that whole scene too like that's why this documentary one it's just a, it's a great story because like for me especially i like know the jordan story kind of but this is like Filling in all the cracks, yeah. you know, this is really getting to learn everything. But then it's all those little moments where they're just, they're in the locker room. They're like that little Laker kid, man. <laughs> and they were referring to when he airballed those four shots yeah, in a row yeah. the, against the Jazz in the playoffs. <laughs> what did George tell He's got a rebound. <laughs> yeah, he that was so good. <laughs> that was good. You, you, you throw four airballs on my team, you want the ball next, you better rebound. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was so good because it was – it almost it, Michael was kind of talking shit, but he also I think Art had already was like I see the that dog in him I see that like he's just gonna want to take it one on one he's gonna try to abuse me and everyone else yeah. because he just has that it in him and it was really cool to see and it was it was it was sad and weird to see Kobe yeah. like that because you kind of remember damn mm-hmm. that that sucks that he's not with us anymore but it was also and we saw it in that emotional speech that MJ made during Kobe's uh, funeral mm-hmm. but. Now, just seeing like they really had a relationship and yeah. MJ really kind of opened up the vault a little bit and was like, I see. I, I think you really saw a lot in him, like just mentality and style and everything. It was like, if you got questions, just holler at me. And from everything I've read, Kobe asked him so many questions, yeah. just bothered the shit out of him. And MJ was like, it was like the annoying little brother, like MJ said in that speech. Yeah. And it, it was cool seeing their relationship. Yeah, really agreed. Was. I think so too. And LJ, it was so hilarious hearing him say that little Laker boy, <laughs> your little Laker kid. It was good. It was good. Um, I did want to ask, and we'll get. I want to ask you some stuff about uh, Tony Kukoc later, at Pops, because we finally got a sighting of Tony Kukoc. So we'll <laughs> outside of him just getting scolded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, MJ and his gambling. So that was one of the big things they went on. Is kind of the scrutiny that MJ started facing. Do you remember at the time? that being as big of a deal as it seemed to be in the doc? I think I'd have to say yes. I do remember okay. that 
Jordan's gambling was a big deal, but I also remember thinking at that time, so what? He he loses ten thousand dollars playing golf. I mean, that's like me losing ten bucks. It's yeah, that's it, what what's his it's name all, said too. It's all relative. Yeah, that's what David Aldridge said. Yeah. And and I will tell you this, talking about the gambling, there was a deal, you know, where he's in there throwing the quarters, you know, with the security guy. <laughs> right. With the, hero. the star of the show. Are you talking about the star of the show? <laughs> yeah. So so what what gets me is is that, you know, and you saw him kind of he he's laying on the couch and he's kind of stuck in his hotel room. He he really could do he was such a rock star at that time that I mean he he could only kind of be in a small room to get any personal time whatsoever. Yeah. And I mean, what are you gonna do? You're gambling, you're throwing quarters, you're well, you're betting what what bird's gonna fly off the high line first, just to entertain yourself. I get it. Yeah. I don't think it's gambling. And you're also was a like problem. you gotta understand why he's willing to just throw, you know, thousands of dollars on a golf game because that's the only place that he's not Michael Jordan, you know, like that's it. So, well, and I thought to, to your point and Jordan, even it was a commercial, I think in the doc, they were showing yeah, us like the little back scenes, episode, but, yeah. but I think he was legitimate. Like you, everybody wants to be Mike, but do you really want to be Michael Jordan? Because he, like you said, pops, he's either in his hotel room or he's being like chauffeured by security guards through huge crowds of people just to get into the gym. I mean, he hasn't, he can't have a life because he's Michael yeah. Jordan. Hell no. I don't want to be like Mike. I want to be like Sam Bradford. That's who I want to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to point out. So he, they said it was when they were playing the Knicks, right? And they were in Mad- they were in New York, Ugh. and he went to Atlantic City, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when he went gambling. And he was like, I think he said in there he would he was back by ten or midnight, whatever time. He did say like midnight just, or one. Yeah. I did a little Google search just to see. Atlantic City is four hours away from Madison Square Garden, so. <laughs> I'm betting he wasn't back so, by so he left at 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's safe to say he probably wasn't back. But I went to the same thing as you, pops. Who cares? So like the game, the game that he was playing next probably wasn't till what seven, seven thirty. The next not, night, like, he has yeah. plenty of time to sleep. And when you're playing high pressure situations, all of us have different ways that we relax. Whether it's playing Xbox or going for a run or like you said, Pops, he has the money to gamble. He has the money to either lose or win for all we know. I mean, why does it matter? As long as he's not like getting his family if it's, in danger. Like if it's not a life. problem to his coach, it's not a problem to his teammates. I mean, they let Dennis Rodman run around in Vegas for like three weeks straight. Right. <laughs> we thought that was cool, but everyone's like shitting on Jordan because yeah. he went and gambled. I, I just, it's, I don't know. It, I don't. Yeah. I'll be, he is the hero though. Like, and, and that's one of the things that he touched on that I thought was really interesting is like, uh, it's, what, like, did this tarnish your reputation? He's like, what's my reputation? Like, the perfect guy that never messes up? Like, no, that's not... I've never been that guy. Like, don't try to put me in that box. Like, let me be a human for just a minute. And Well, I think that's where we... I don't, I'm not saying necessarily us three, but in general, we... And we did this kind of like when I'm watching the Patriots, when I'm looking for a reason to hate on them. Yeah. Like, when we see someone so good, we're... Lo- now, I'm not, like, looking for a fault in their... In their, like, as a person. But, yeah, I'm just hating on them because I don't want to win. Right. But we do this where we build someone up. And, like, oh, my God, he's so perfect. But now we're like, okay, but what's his flaw? Yeah. What is his mm-hmm. flaw? And then we're like, oh, he gambles. He's a terrible person. Right. Because he gambles. And Jordan's like... And I, he had that one quote where he was like, all these people... Or so my reputation is made up by all these people who don't even know me. That's where y'all are coming up with my reputation. What they say about me. Where they... They don't, they're not even with me. So I, I felt, I kind of felt for him watching it because you're just kind of a lose lose situation. Yeah. And that's why I just quit talking with people. Um, getting over to that, like, so we talked about um, the Dream Team stuff and how Tony Kukoc was in there. Yeah. And I felt, you felt bad. Like, it was probably weird for Leitner. How did it feel for Tony Kukoc where he's like, why do all these amazing athletes want to just kill me? I don't even know who these people well, are. Well, you know, okay, they're so to, they're trying to murder him. That's one of the things. That's one of the beautiful things they touched on is like this idea of everybody has a, a backstory that you don't know, right? And I think to him, he was like, "Oh, this is what the NBA is like. Whatever. At least they're not like in civil war right now. So like, this is almost like a good escape." Like I think he saw getting beat up by Scottie Pippen as like a wonderful escape from his like home life, you know. And so he got yeah. to come back to uh, the the gold medal game and have a great ass game and earn the respect of his peers. And uh, well, what a and, hero. and one of them brought it up in there. And like, so at Croatia at the time, he wasn't, it wasn't like, he was probably, well, from what I gathered from what they were saying, Croatia, it wasn't like a good area for him to grow up. I think up. they were in a civil war. Yugoslavia, Yugoslavia yeah. the, the kind of basic history, and I'm no expert, but the kind of basic history is Yugoslavia, 
broke up into like four territories and every single one of them was fighting over what they were. They declared independence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so they were fighting over territory at that point. And so being Croatian meant that you were a part of a faction that was fighting the rest of what you grew up as your country. You know, it'd be like saying um, instead, like, you know, it'd be like if the U S decided like, you know what, screw this whole thing. And Texas decided they're their own thing. The East coast was their own thing. And the West coast was their own thing. And everybody else was their own thing. And we were literally at war with guns and and bombs. And uh, and that's what he grew up in. That's where his family was sitting. And that's who he was playing for in the Olympics was the the vicinity of this war that he grew up in. I mean, that's it was such a struggle yeah. for him to even get to that point. Well, I did think it was it was pretty impressive. And it probably was what it impressed probably the scouts. And like you said, LJ, even the NBA players were like, oh, I got to pour, I give some up for him because – to come back in that next game when he played USA, it would been it would have been very easy for him to kind of be in a shell and go, I just don't want to get dunked on and abused all game. Because I bet it wasn't just them, which maybe he didn't understand it, but they weren't just trying to dunk on him. They, I guarantee you Jordan was talking all kinds yeah. of crap. They were trying to get in his head. Jordan's known for getting into your yeah. head. And he came back and had another good game. And it's funny, if Jerry Krause would have been smarter, because he was, I do think he was smart, but if he would have been yeah. smarter, he should have just always said that he really liked the opposing team's best player. <laughs> yeah. Because every time he even like kind of liked a guy on the yeah. other team, Jordan just abused him. Right. Shout out to Dan Marley. Right. On the <laughs> right. <side>. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I understand a little bit on Pippen's side, because Pippen, he signed the bad contracts. They would, I mean, I know he signed it, so it's whatever, but yeah. He was getting paid very small amount. They've made it very clear it was like 122nd highest paid player in the NBA, and he's a very he's on the dream team, so he's very good. Yeah. And instead of like trying to renegotiate with him, Jerry Krause is over there trying to negotiate with Tony Kukoc at the time. So like they're trying to get him over, and they're discussing how much they're going to pay him. And Kukoc is like, I'm not sure. Y'all are going to have to pay more. And so he's trying to get more money, and Krause is bending the knee almost to him, trying to say like, how much do you want? And the whole time, Scottie Pippen's sitting there going. Take care of your dream team, like your Hall of Famer that's on the roster yeah. now. So I get why I was upset with him, but man, it must have been hard for Kukos just to have people wanting to rip his heart out the entire game. Think about it. So Jordan and Pippen decide you ain't scoring. You know, yeah. I mean, can you imagine those two guys in their prime just decide we're coming at you, Kevin? Two of the best <laughs> defenders in the NBA. In the NBA. In the world. And they're and thereafter your ass. I well, mean, that's the other would thing is like difficult. They told the rest of the team was like, back off, he's ours. The two he's of ours. us get him. Yeah. And so like <laughs> that's the other thing is like you see the Red Sea part and it turns into a one on one game. You know what I mean? And it's like you've yeah. got to beat the best player and the best maybe the second best player, but the best sidekick of all time. Um, and they're the only ones who are going to ever be up against, you don't and, and you don't Kuko, have a shot to go up against magic you're not going to get that chance and kuko's over there he's a big man so he's like you know he thinks i might like his probably what he's thinking is like i'll either get to the post or even if i catch it outside sometimes yeah. these guys can't move with me because I, I he's he had he was a good big man and then he's like scotty pippen's literally guarding me the entire <laughs> way up the court like yeah. from this end to this end he's just did nolan richardson me. teach scotty pippen how to be a, a <laughs> dick <laughs> damn <laughs> Yeah. It was funny. So multiple times you see how Jordan uses just any form. Anything. We already knew he did, God. but just any possible form of slight. Like, so they talk about, we were talking about the 93 finals where he was wanting to go after Charles just because Charles won the MVP that year. And Barkley deserved that. I was looking at the stats. <laughs> Barkley had very good stats that year. Like he deserved the MVP. And so Jordan's going after him. And then that Trailblazers finals, Jordan wants to kill Clyde Drexler simply because someone compared the two. <laughs> they just compared the two well, to each other. He's like, all right, well, now I have to dominate him. Was it in the documentary? I think it was where uh, Isaiah Thomas's problem. Oh, you brought it up last week. Isaiah Thomas's problem was because his cousin wore a Jordan jersey. I mean, that's how yeah. these guys work. You know, that's just yeah. how they roll. <laughs> well, and so I was with this doc has come just a ton of people who are around there telling more stories, like even outside of the doc, they're like, coming on sports center or going on podcasts and just telling stories. And I think it's more, we always like look back. We're like, Oh, back in the nineties, they hated each other. They hated each other. And I don't know if as much, yes, a lot of people did hate the Pistons, <laughs> but I don't know if all of them necessarily hated each other as much as Jordan just wanted to kill them in that game. Like I still think him and Chuck were cool. Cause they played cards all the time. As Chuck has said all like yeah. a lot. And there was a really cool story from Michael Wilbon where he was talking about, it was when Alonzo Mourning was, I think, a second-year player, and so he was scoring a lot of points coming out of Georgetown, who 
Jordan, for whatever reason, just hated everything Georgetown. <laughs> and Michael Wilbon, who covered, he's for the Washington Post, but he's from Chicago, and he's coming to Chicago to cover a game where Alonzo Mourning's coming in town. And he's covering it because he's kind of, he's kind of writing a piece about how this young guy who we really didn't think was going to be this good is already taking the league by storm. And he asks, he comes to ask Michael Jordan about Alonzo Mourning, and Jordan says, wait a minute, you came to your hometown, my city, to ask me about him, to write a story about him? And he was like, yeah, it's my job. <laughs> and Jordan said, what are you going to write about tomorrow if he scores no points? He was like, what do you mean no points? And he's like, zero. I, he will not score. And th- so then the game happens. When Jordan leaves the game with three minutes left, Alonzo Mourning has zero oh points. God. He ends up with five. <laughs> He ends up with five points. And after the game, Will Bond said he went to go talk with Michael Jordan, like on, on the record. And was like, so what were your thoughts about Alonzo Mourning? He's like, man, don't ask me that like this. Cause he's going to, he's going to look like he's a terrible NBA player. And he's not, he just didn't have a shot tonight. We can talk about it behind the, behind the scenes, but yeah, he's, he's going to be a good player. He'll, he'll figure it out. He's good. But so I don't think Jordan like, hated people. He just had to find anything, whatever anything to motivate reason. himself. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> yes, that's whether that whether yeah, whether that be because Jerry Krause likes you or because <laughs> another reporter came to Chicago to write a story about you, that's that's all it took. I just want to while, while you bring up Chicago residents, I want to give a shout out to Barack Obama for making it from Chicago resident to president in the last couple yeah, episodes. Yeah, they did finally upgrade him. <laughs> so uh props to him. That's amazing. Uh I think uh Clinton's still Arkansas governor. Um, as far as they're listed, yeah, he, but uh, he's not president on their <laughs> on their list. Um, other cool little things from there, uh, the, the dream team stuff. It was it was kind of cool hearing Jordan retell the story about wearing the American flag over the Reebok. Logo. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that was and iconic. Speaking of, do you think so? There was a spot in that in one of the episodes where Jordan talks about they were, they were talking about the creation of Air Jordans and all that, and him going with Nike. And they ask him, was there a shoe you wanted to go with? Adidas. And he throws out there, Adidas. Well, I wanted to go with Adidas. Now, one, if you're the Adidas guys, you have to be sick. Oh. But also, Michael you're Jordan selling say, that I shit, wanted right? Adidas. That's every ad for the next six months. Well, what are you selling? That when you're not buying Air Jordans, can you yeah. come get it? That Jordan really liked Adidas. But then what does Nike think about that? Oh, man, I bet Nike hated to hear that. I mean, three so, million sales um, in three years, I guess they're okay. But they're yeah. Probably, you're probably they're probably, right. they're yeah. probably annoyed on their way to the bank. But <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. a running shoe company to the, the shoe company. I do wonder, it was funny because I kind of think that could be Michael Jordan just because the way we've... we've even hearing him talk about the bad boy Pistons 20 plus years later, he still sounds like he's got that fire. In yeah. him. I wonder if this is him just spinning the knife in Adidas. Cause they didn't like, yeah. it wasn't necessarily, he kind of wanted this, but I bet he's like, I'm definitely going to mention that. I wanted Adidas. I want them to know so they, they messed that stupid. up. Yeah. Yeah. Just so they know 20 plus years later, they could have had air Jordans, but Nope. Nike got well, it. and Mama Jordan deserves a trophy from Nike, by the way. Right? <laughs> Mama, Mama Jordan deserves, so apparently, I don't know who Michael Jordan listens to besides Mama Jordan, but he listens to her because, <laughs> like you said, LJ, he wasn't even going to go to Nike until she was like, you better at least go. <laughs> and then I was reading, so, and this was a, a, a big question was going on, like, why do you not see, like, Michael Jordan is known for smoking cigars all the time, multiple cigars a day. You see it in a lot of this yeah. uh, behind-the-scenes footage, but... He does these six hour long interviews where they cut him up, obviously, but you never see him even with the scar near him. And so someone asked the director, why, why did he not smoke on the set? And they said he smoked during the first one. And his mom texted him and said, I don't like seeing you on TV smoke cigars. So you need to quit. And if you notice in the later ones, I think he doesn't have alcohol either because his mom didn't like. Well, that's that what, on I, I actually did want to bring up at some point. I really like the production of this because uh, it's clear they like interviewed Michael over like Michael, like he's my best friend. Um, they, they interviewed Jordan over. I like, feel like I know him though after this. Right? Yeah. Stop. Um, but it's clear they interviewed him over the course of like at least three, maybe 10 days. You know, it's hard to tell how many exactly, but there is definitely shots where he's got like a glass of scotch and a cigar sitting on like an ashtray that hadn't been lit yet. Um, and I, uh, it's kind of cool that you mentioned that, that like, yeah, then afterwards he's in a different chair. He doesn't have any liquor or cigars near him. Um, but yeah, there's yeah. one long interview where you're going to see it because it was like, hey, I think they said, uh, I, I, Maher, Jason Maher, I think is his name, the director. Uh, he said that they did, I think, three interviews, but they were six to eight hours long each. Yeah. So he was like, one, if you see a bottle or a glass of scotch and all of a sudden there's a cut and like it looks like it went from full to a quarter 
empty or whatever, like almost empty. It's like that could have been us splicing together. We had long conversations yeah. and we put back together. So it's not like he just like we cut off and he took a pull and then came back. But in that one, <laughs> but, in that one, you could actually watch like the sunset and know what time. Like you can tell that like that that yeah. that uh, scotch or whatever was sitting there unfinished for probably four hours, right? And it's I, I think it's pretty cool that they're like you can kind of see even behind the scenes of the behind the scenes right now in that they're they're not like unashamed they're unashamed that he's like changing shirts and he's going to you know he's i just think that's yeah cool. they're just like this is it this yeah. is how we're doing it and this and, and it's awesome yeah. it's great to see mm. i think it's i the trick they use i've never seen this before but when they do the whole i showing him the ipad yeah and getting his legit like right after reaction to what isaiah thomas says or just different things that is might be one of my favorite things because you can tell it's still the same Jordan. Yeah. He might be 25, 25 years older from that moment, yeah. but he's still the same guy in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did y'all have any other moments? Y'all just can we? I mean, we got to talk me? about white hair, dude. First off, do you guys know what game they're playing the with the show, quarters? Yes. Well, well that's I, just quarters, regular quarters, isn't it? Closest to the wall. That's all it is, isn't it? Well, see, I've never played that. Yeah, I thought well, quarters can, was a whole different. You game. can't touch the wall. Well. No, well, I mean, you're just well. So like, what they're playing, LJ, is kind of like horseshoes. You want to get it as close to the wall as you possibly can. Is that right, pops? Yeah, usually, you know, it's like pitching pennies. You've ever heard of pitching pennies? And you know, I guess they're doing quarters. Hell, Jordan could do hundred thousand dollar bills, but <laughs> you just your goal is whoever's closest to the wall wins. I mean, that's it. But they were playing where Jordan would throw it, and he'd give the the white haired dude or whatever Tiger King wannabe guy uh, dad. Um, four tries, <laughs> four tries to beat him because that's why the one time he beat him on the first try, Jordan had to give him the twenty dollar bill. Yeah. He said, "Watch that money roll in my, my pocket. pocket," and then hit him with the shrug. <laughs> and the shrug was so funny. It wasn't like like when Jordan did the shrug, it was smooth and cool because anything Jordan does yeah. is smooth and cool. Right. But when when Whitehair dude did the shrug, it was just so yeah. funny. It was I related so much to that dude the right then. You know, like I I get him. Um, also that's the crew. That is the crew that defends the evil from Michael Jordan. Like they're just like, that's not like you're, you, when I think of security guards, I think of like a big man that's going to stop anyone from coming. And these guys are, just, that's a little mullet dude. He's like, take a chance. Come on. Oh, uh, he'd probably kick your ass though. I like, there's something about him probably. that you don't know. If you Michael know? Jordan hired him, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Or he's just, um, he gambles. That's, that's why Jordan hired him. But if Krause allowed other moment, it. Close, the other moment close to that spot was when uh, they have – it wasn't Ron Harper. It was another different guard coming in, but comes to ask Michael Jordan for tickets. And Michael <laughs> Jordan's like the godfather of tickets. He's just like, where are you trying to sit? Nosebleeds? I don't care. It can be next like, to God, whatever. <laughs> and he just opens a drawer and pulls out a ticket. Like he just has all the United Center tickets. Yeah. <laughs> because he is Michael Jordan, so and he then, probably does And have then he all drops all. the line. He says, well, you just got one from God, so <laughs> – yeah, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I'm just kidding. He's like, no, he's not. He's serious. Was that the same guy that uh, that Jordan was saying uh, that he was an alcoholic on the airplane? I don't think that Burrell. That no. I don't think that was Scotty okay. Burrell. That wasn't Burrell. I saw the name of who that was, and I, I can't remember. Okay. It was just it was a. a I, I was hoping so, yeah. I thought that was a good symmetry of Jordan saying a thing that he wanted to cut, and then uh, Jordan saying a thing that Jordan wanted to cut, and both of them that were cut. Yeah, but sorry. Yeah. Uh, watching watching Scotty and and Michael and some of the other guys drink beer after the game yeah. said in the fourth quarter all we're thinking about is ice cold beer yeah <laughs> that was pretty funny and then talking about how uh, back in Jordan's early days the the coach would bum you a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> he was like they were smoking at halftime you know where they got the cigarette from the coach can I can I throw out there one of the things that I thought about uh, the more and more I watch it and again like I was barely conscious during like this era of basketball watching. So I've really only seen highlights, but watching the way Jordan trash talks is like, he yells at you and he'll get under your skin. But like the way Pippen deals with you is he just like looks away and then like says stuff and smiles. And I think like, I want to punch Pippen more if I'm like the opponent, I think that gets in my head so much more than Jordan, like being so like the, the dog barking at you. But Pippen's like, I don't even care about you. Like whatever, like you can go, I, just, I that's one of the things I noticed is Pippen's trash talk. I think game is maybe a little bit higher just on to physicality. Me, I don't even know if it'd be Pippen's trash talk, but just when you see some of his defense, I mean, yeah, he is on those guys like glue yeah. and it's not like he's a small guy. He's long. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know that their pairing is about as perfect as you can. I, just, yeah. I know you, maybe you want to guard in the center, but 
that pairing is so great. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm sure Pops remembers something to watch. I- well, because you had, especially when you had, I mean, so you've got Jordan, uh, just the Defensive Player of the Year, more than once. I don't remember how many times he won Defensive Player of the Year. You got Scottie Pippen, one of the best defenders in my mind of all time. Then you had freaking Dennis Rodman. Yeah. I mean, you've got three. I mean, the defense won a lot of games. Is Okay, I have a question for you. Well, yeah, I have a question for you. Just on Dennis Rodman, talking about the third person. Is <laughs> Who just wanted to go to Dennis Hooters Rodman. to see some tits and ass? <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> is Dennis Rodman for sure, because we just praised him on the Sunday before, is he for sure a better player than Horace Grant? Horace Grant, I was looking at some of those box scores in that Sun series. He was grabbing 17 boards in a lot of those games. I always liked and Horace Grant. No, I think, but. You saw he had a little bit of offense. He could kind of pass that shot that passed to Paxson, or Paxson hits the game winner. I mean, Horace Grant could play. Well, and I think if they had they kept Horace Grant and, and they, they touched on it, there was some kind of deal. He had a deal. He agreed to it, but then his agent wasn't there, so they kind of reneged on it, and then Reinsdorf just was like, screw it. Did, or did we talk about that? I'm, there was, I don't think we did. No. I, think that was on the, I think it was on the dock. Okay, that was on the dock. But I think they would have liked to have kept Horace Grant. I know Horace Grant, though, and it, and it did show it in the dock, was getting a little sick of Jordan because, you know, he was – it was rubbing him harder than it was, it seems, some other players. So, well, because you for sure it was. They were like, there was a legit, didn't they call them the Jordan Airs? Like it was yeah. Michael Jordan and the Jordan Well, in one year, something. and I haven't heard it on this doc yet, but I do remember Jordan being interviewed one time and he talked about, well, my supporting cast supporting just isn't cast. stepping up. And I mean, that's a little tough. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a I'm little tough. I'm surprised that didn't come up because that came up in the, that, it was in the Jordan rules book, and supposedly, and they touched on it, supposedly Michael Jordan still believes to this day that Horace Grant is the one that told him about because he was mad that he called him supporting cast, which I heard it. I, I, heard I agree. It. That's that's tough. That, well, he's saying Horace Grant leaked the rest of it out because he was mad that Jordan called oh, him supporting cast, yeah. which, yes, they might have been a, they were a supporting cast. It was Jordan and the Bulls, but still, that's, that's kind of tough. That's I mean, tough. y'all... I'll battle every night in and night out. And well, of course, Grant wasn't a bad player. And it's, I mean, he was a good. As far as the Jordan rules book goes, I could also see, like, I bet every player had like a line in there. You know what I mean? So uh, that reporter was on well, the bus with Well, that's what Horace Grant him. says to say. In the exact same way that Jordan, you know, said Republicans buy sneakers too. Um, and that was, you know, something he was saying off the cuff to one of his buddies. That's what, you know, you're just talking and there's a reporter in the room and you're like, oh shit, I didn't even notice, you know? So. Yeah, all of a sudden it goes from me and you just you know, shooting the shit talking to a political statement from Jordan. Yeah. And I think that's the same way this book happens where Horace Grant kind of says, you know, something. Because Will Perdue even talked about that whole punching of Will Perdue that happened in a, in a practice. Yeah. Will Perdue was like, that happened all the time. We were just, all of us were like that. We just practiced really hard and we're all like real fiery. And that specific practice that they're talking about. We, he punched me, and then I shoved him, and then we cleared up, and then we resumed practice. Like we didn't end practice. Yeah. That was just that was part of it. But you know and that so, there was a time where two of the players were out getting a beer with the reporter in the room or whatever. You know, they were on the plane or in the locker room or whatever, having a beer, and they were just talking trash. It could have been any of those players. I, you know, whatever. There, there was no villain in this story. You know, it was just a tough team, and the reporter might shot, not should have written the book being a Chicago native, but. uh but it probably did put speaking a fire of reporter. Him. Speaking of reporters, I think the big winner in this whole thing, as far as reporters go, Ahmad Rashad yeah. is all over the place. But I, I do think I've heard he was like Jordan's right-hand man. Yeah, Jordan really like liked buddies. him for whatever reason. They were they were buddies. And, and I don't know what the deal was there, but they were very good friends, it seemed. You know, that's very helpful for Ahmad Rashad's career to happen to be best friends yeah, with was the best he, basketball player Was he player of the all guy time. before that, or did that make him the guy? Ahmad Rashad was a pretty salty football player, you know. Uh, sure. He actually was an NFL player. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was but a like, salty player. But, like, as an player. NBA reporter, was he anywhere near the level that he would have been had he not had Jordan as his, you know, his confidant and his That buddy? definitely didn't hurt. Yeah. It, my recollection is that he became, you know, he was he was like uh, uh, who Trent Dilfer is now. You know, a former player. Better than Dilfer, though. I mean, he was a, a better yeah. player than Dilfer uh, was when Differ was on the field. But he was beginning to get some renown because some of the NFL players trusted him, some of the athletes trusted him. But now when Jordan 
seemed to trust him and would talk to him. Yes, that helped his career immensely, but he was no slouch prior to that either. It wasn't like Jordan made him, but but Jordan probably did kind of make him a little. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, but he was still but, somebody, for sure. Speaking of that interview, I just wanted to throw out there the fact that Jordan is like driving down I-94 in a Range Rover in the rain. Like, I just feel like... If he's famous enough that you can recognize him from just the back of his head, like I feel like the Bulls are going to get him a car, you know, and a driver to get him there. Like I can't believe he was. Well, driving. no, he only gets a limo and a driver if he's going to Atlantic City to get <laughs> him up for the night. Or or that golf. Well, no, he's going to drive the bus then. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Jordan had a tea time, baby. <laughs> but but didn't you get that? Right. I totally got yeah. that because he yeah. he's like, no, we got a tea time. We're not we talking go. Pippin. Come on. <laughs> I, I could see him, you know, because that's where he could be. And here. honestly, I don't think Pippen was mad about it. Huh. He was just like, dude, MJ really wants to go. I'm trying to be nice, but MJ is really wanting to go. <laughs> I got to go. And then dude. they loaded up. They all loaded up in the car, the, the golf cart when he pulled Ron Harper over there. They all loaded up in the golf cart like me and my buddies loaded up in the <laughs> golf cart when we go to golf. Yeah. And we were just like, all right, we can fit another one. Just get your golf Yeah, bag. sit on the front. <laughs> you hold on to the back. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was your right. Because that was where Jordan could be Jordan. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. Air Jordan anymore. He was just Mike and one of the guys yeah. just hanging out. Well, that's a good way side. to put that because that's what like what episode one or two where he talks about. That's when I became Michael instead of Mike. And yeah, the golf course is where he was Mike again. You're exactly right. That's a really cool way to yeah. put that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, and we'll get we'll have more wrap up. There's next week will be another. We got two more nights two more. of the Jordan talk, and then who knows what we're gonna have to talk about sports wise. <laughs> well, it could get it could get weird. On the can just I just say play. if they don't talk about Space Jam, I'm not gonna be a happy camper. <laughs> Space. When was Space Jam? When did it come out? It was uh, at the end of his baseball career, I think. Yeah, it was between oh. it was yeah it was between his two stints, wasn't it? Because well, yeah, that was kind of like his oh, like okay. I'm coming back to the NBA stint, right? Like that was kind of what that movie ended up being. Well, I hope they I hope they come they, they show something because I there's rumors and I I don't even know it's rumors anymore. I think it's reports that he had a basketball court built while he was filming. I uh, know. So That's the thing is I want to know because apparently there were some amazing games out there on that basketball court yeah. outside of the Space Jam studio. So that, that that's what that's the rumors yeah. out there. So hopefully maybe they will touch on yeah. it. Yeah. I want to um, know if Muggsy Bugs crossed him up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, other sporting news we have the NFL has said that they're they're going to announce the NFL schedule coming up on Thursday of this week. Yeah. And it sounds like, from what I can tell, that the league is really going to test out just how serious our appetite is for just sports content. Because not only – usually I think they just announce the schedule and then you see all the shows breaking down like games and what, we're, what we can't wait to watch and all this. They're going to do it on NFL Network on Thursday night – on a three-hour show, oh announcing, the announcing the schedule. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my which, god! Which, by the way, you can go ahead and look up now. You can see what teams play who. Like you know who the Cowboys are going to play. You just don't know when they're going to play them. But so they're going to do this on a three-hour-long show on NFL Network from like eight Eastern till eleven, just going. And here we go, week one, game seven. Well, and that's the thing well, is like you can technically predict like you you know who each team's going to play like eight years out, right? Like you because they follow a right. formula. Um, except for I guess there's like the the top rank and the lower rank of whatever, but uh, right. you can definitely so. They every team has like a contest usually every year where it's like if you can predict our entire schedule home and away and everything, we'll give you like a season ticket or whatever. Um, but never have Shoot, I seen if that was Michael Jordan. That's a hundred thousand dollar bet, right? There. <laughs> right. But I've never seen them turn it into a three hour event where they're they're well, and maybe they're smart because we uh, people ate up the like we talked yeah. about the NFL draft had his best viewing ever. So maybe it'll it, some people are going to watch it. Yeah. I, Personally, I'll probably just wait till it comes yeah, I'm out. Not watching that. Yeah. And then I can be, I'll, three hours seems a little excessive. <laughs> yeah. I watched half of Waco in three hours, which you might get to. Hey. Um, yeah. I watched it too. Of, Pretty good. Pretty good speaking stuff. Speaking of the NFL, though, it reminds me that the Cowboys have now signed their quarterback or maybe the backup <laughs> quarterback. Yeah. The Cowboys have got the Red Rocket. Yeah. Coming back home to Texas, uh, Andy Dalton signed a one-year deal for $3 million with up to $7 million in incentives. And the internet, of course, went nuts because it's the Cowboys and it's just people. How it goes. Cowboys fans yeah. are obnoxious and then Cowboys haters are obnoxious. Yeah. So the internet was wild over it. And a lot of people were saying they're upset because they haven't signed Dak yet. 
And many are arguing that this is Jerry Jones and the Cowboys trying to get leverage on Dak. The main person arguing that is Des Bryant. So <laughs> I'll just throw this out to you, Pops. Do you think that has anything to do with leverage, or is this just them getting a very quality backup quarterback? This is them getting a quality backup quarterback. You can get Andy Dalton. I mean, if if something happens to Dak, and you can throw the red rocket in there, I mean, he is a legitimate— He's not like a stud, but he's a— yeah. He is the best backup quarterback we've had since— Dak Prescott was back up to Robo when we did, he was a rookie. So, you know, I mean, who, who, what better backup have we had in years? Maybe Tony Romo before he became the starter. Right. I guess Tony Romo really is the good. But no, I don't, I don't think there's anything to that. I think it was a smart sign. I think it was a smart because no, because I actually, I, I'm the, with you. The, the Cowboys should be a Super Bowl contender. Of course, we say that often, but every if you're year, be a Super Bowl, every year we say that, but I mean, with CD Lamb, they've got, I mean, they, they've got some talent. They drafted drafted pretty good. So why not be prepared if if that gets hurt and has to sit out a couple of games? You've got a very well because like what if you're like the Saints happened where Dak goes out for six weeks? Andy Dalton can at least hold the ship and go you know five hundred or four and two, five and one, maybe six and zero. Oh. Whereas if you have Cooper Rush back there, Cooper Rush might be fine. I saw the Giants actually just signed him now, but. Say you have some nobody back there. I mean, if you go 0-6, you're done. That's the season. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. So I think it was actually a smart sign. And also I want to point out, if you're Jerry Jones and you're going for leverage against Dak Prescott, you're going to say, well, we could just roll with Andy Dalton. And if I'm Dak Prescott, I'll go, okay, let me just play this last year with all these guys and I'm going to go get go, – let me be a free agent yeah. and I'll go get paid a ton to go play somewhere. Yeah. So I don't – I don't think I had anything to do with that. I, I don't, uh, Des Bryant always maybe. has a little bit of. Hey, while you're talking about quarterbacks about. and backup, can I ask you a question? So, of course, Jameis Winston signed at New Orleans, right? Yeah, yeah, for a big time million dollars. Is it was it one million? One point one million with up to three in incentives. Well, so he can in incentives get up to what Dalton got. Isn't Taysom Taysom? Is that Taysom Hill? He is the next quarterback. Haven't the Saints already ah, said that? Well, so here's exactly I can I can kind of answer this question. What they have okay. said Please. is that Taysom Hill is the heir apparent to Drew Brees, but they also want to keep using him. They don't want him to just be the backup. And if they're going to keep using him as a running back and as a tight end and as a receiver and as a, a punt uh, specialist, uh, whatever, then just everything yeah, all over the then place. They're they're risking then they need a their backup injury. Okay. And so if Taysom Hill okay. gets hurt and then Drew Brees gets hurt, then what do they've got? So right now, basically, the depth chart looks like it's going to be Drew Brees and then Jameis Winston and then Taysom Hill. But Taysom Hill's still going to get all of his play. A lot of playing time throughout the rest of the the field yeah so because still if Drew Brees were to get hurt God forbid then you can still put whoever you want you can bring right third in but but uh but Jameis Winston is going to be the that guy that's sitting on the bench keeping it warm for uh you know just in case they need him um hey Jameis Winston for 1.1 that's not a bad deal I mean that is shocking to me that that's the quarterback market if uh, because I'm not saying Jameis Winston's an an all pro quarterback but he's not bad I can understand why a million is nothing I can understand why Cam Newton's sitting you know right now I I can understand why he's waiting for a starting job because he's not going to take backup money because that's not a lot for what I would expect him to get paid you know I'm, it almost it made me wonder, and I think LJ, I do think that is what at least the Saints are saying because I mean I hope so because that makes a lot of sense. Hill a little yeah. bit. But I kind of wonder if this was Sean Payton's way of going. Okay, we know Drew Brees. We know Drew Brees is this is his either final year, probably final year. I mean, I guess he could always come back. He could pull a Brett Favre, but he says this is his final year. Do maybe this is Sean Payton going? Let me just get Jameis Winston in, and I can reevaluate my decision you know yep. i don't have to go with Taysom Hill. well and that's the other thing down. is I, mean, I think he likes Taysom Hill better as a weapon than he does a quarterback competition's good for a team right where if the backup quarterbacks are fighting for who's going to be the guy that takes over next year that's good for everybody like right like that's that yeah, doesn't see, hurt anybody parcel says if you have two quarterbacks you have none but he never said anything about three quarterbacks <laughs> well, so if you've got one well, quarterback and then two other guys like those two other guys will <laughs> will hopefully be a quarterback at some point but well, it just occurs to me as a Cowboys fan, I might would rather have Jameis Winston as my backup for one point one than the Red Rocket for seven or eight. You know. Well, um, now Jameis Winston turns and, the ball over what, way too much. Don't get me wrong. Well, I was about I mean, to say one did, thing about Jameis Winston is he led the league in interceptions. Obviously, but he also led the the league in dropped interceptions last year. That's not something that I've heard anybody yeah. talk about. So, right, right. <laughs> so he had the potential to have even more. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, did, but you have heard, though, I think, that Jameis Winston, he was talking to some New Orleans reporters, and he was talking about that LASIK surgery he got. Yeah. And he says that's improved not only his vision, but his depth perception. He was saying that now when he drives, he can actually read license plates. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just saying. One, so he was blind? He You're telling me he was blind? <laughs> Two, if his depth perception, depth, I can't speak very well, if his depth perception was off, that would lead to some interceptions because you can't tell how deep that linebacker is when you throw Dad, that post. You remember when I was a kid and I played a lot of baseball and every year we'd go and get my eyes examined so we could get me new glasses because maybe these glasses would be the one that could make me hit a baseball. I think Jameis Winston finally got the glasses that can make him hit a baseball. <laughs> well, well, then 1.1 also, is a great bargain for New Orleans then, if that's the case. Well, that's what my first thought when I saw that was, wow, Jameis Winston really so low on himself. I thought I could get more than that. But maybe, just maybe, he is playing his cards perfect. Because one, he gets to go learn from Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Yeah. And two, maybe if he really believes in himself, he's, he got paid a lot because he was number one overall pick and they picked up his option. So he's he's not hurting on He's set for a little bit. If he goes and learns from, if he goes and learns from a year, who knows, maybe he has – the front seat path right to the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, who, by the way, have a receiver I think that's pretty good, a running back that's not bad, you know, an offensive coach that's really yeah. smart. Pretty maybe, decent defense, Maybe he's too. being really smart. If nothing else, if nothing else, he's a free agent again next year, and we kind of forget about, we might, like, not remember the three, the 30 interceptions. Yeah. We might remember more like, oh, he's got a lot of talent and learned from Sean Drayton. Right. So, I think it's actually smart by Jameis. Uh, yeah, mm. I'm into that. Interesting. Smart. Um. Moving on, we mentioned it earlier. Uh, did you see, guys, Tiger King might be making a comeback? Well, I did see a little bit of something. What, what, what are you talking about? It's not Joe Exotic himself. I think yeah, he's still okay. you know, in trial, and he's got a lot to work on there. But uh, American Americans just can't seem to get enough of the Tiger King, and now the documentary series, which is based off that uh, flamboyant Oklahoma zookeeper, Mr. Joe Exotic, is now getting a TV series. Friday Magazine is reporting that none other than Nicolas yep. Cage is going to star as Joe oh, Exotic I'm so happy. in the upcoming eight series episode. Wow. Detailing. It's just going to be like a dramatic series of what happened to Tiger King. I think I have to say, I'm a little burnt out on the Tiger King, but I like Nicolas but, Cage. I mean, I'm, but, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I think I've, I've told you guys about my uh, dream of throwing a Nicolas Cage party where everybody invited has to dress up as a Nicolas Cage character. And my goal was always to be John Travolta playing Nicolas Cage in Face Off. But that might have changed. That might have changed. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Nicolas Cage playing Tiger King. Yeah. Yeah. That right there. That's probably something. the winner. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting, and I, 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 I'm with you, pops. I might be a little over on Tiger King, but, but if Nicolas Cage, the the star actor from National Treasure, is playing <laughs> Tiger King, then I may just have to tune in. Yeah, no, and, I like it. And speaking of shows, I don't know if we want to touch on it, pops, but LJ told us to watch it, and I not only dabbled in it because I I loved it. I finished Waco. It is awesome. Waco's good. Okay, I've only watched the first two, but I'm in. I'm gonna definitely watch. Yeah, should we definitely. should we like have a conversation about it next week then or something? What do you guys think? I I can be done by next week. I, Tammy's into it. I'll be done by next week. That's you no can be doubt. done by tonight probably if we needed you to be. Maybe if we start if we stop <laughs> early enough, it's a possibility. Well, so like the way it worked is I I know the story a little bit, but like watching this, I like I started. It was like one episode. I'm just gonna see if how much I like it. LJ recommended it. Let's just see. I don't know if I'm ready to like binge it or anything. And then about seven hours later, <laughs> I was done with it. <laughs> Same. So I, it was really, it was really good. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot, and and I have a lot of thoughts. So we might. Can yeah, bring should we do week. that next week? We we'll do Jordan and we'll do Waco. Those are the the most nineties things we can talk about. Serious review. Yeah, you're <laughs> right about. We're that. just living in the nineties because twenty twenty. Should we, should we also watch year. like season one of Seinfeld and then talk about that too? Or. <laughs> <laughs> well, he might make another cameo on the Jordan doc for all we know. I mean, by the way, oh, real quick, I got to go back just a little bit. I have never heard a more 80s line than he's blowing up like Cabbage Patch dolls. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> Who was even, it said what, that? Was that Seinfeld? No, some reporter talking about Jordan like uh, being like king of the world in like 1991 uh, or I, whatever. I remember hearing it, yeah. <laughs> He's blowing up like Cabbage Patch dolls. <laughs> All right. Now to, before we wrap up, we got to get to the most pressing, pressing question out there. And that is, 
did we invent math, oh God. OJ? Oh, God. Or did we discover it? Pops posited this question a while back ago, and I'm not going to lie, I've been pondering it ever since. Yeah. And I think I've come to my conclusion. I know you've been pondering. Do you want me to go tell you what I think? I would I love think, to hear what you, you think. You I would love Because I'm not, I'm undecided. We discovered it. We did not invent it. We, I think it was always there. We just made it into what it is. Like there was always two rocks and then two more rocks make four rocks. We just didn't have a concept for it. So I think we discovered math. So that's an interesting thought. And, uh, and just to kind of, I don't know, push on that. Um, we didn't prove that one plus one equals two mathematically until like 1985 or something like that. There wasn't a formal proof that like proved that. Cause it's just, it's one until of 1985. Things. I know that's one of the, like, uh, I, I watched this guy like talking about it and he's like, it's a little late. Like at that point, if you prove that that's incorrect, everything's screwed. Everything is screwed at that point. <laughs> yeah, we've already determined. <laughs> um, but I think like, um, it, when you think about like, calculus or four dimensional and eight dimensional shapes, like uh, things that don't exist in our current space, that has to be our invention, right? Or is that um, something that, that exists? Like, does the framework go out that far? Do you know what I'm asking? Does that make sense? Well, go ahead, Bob. Well, I, I don't know exactly. I don't know that it does what you say makes sense, but it made me think of, I think we, we just, we, invented zero. I think we invented the number zero. Okay. And when when we were able to do that, math, which we discovered, took a whole new meaning because yeah. now we don't have to put a mark for all the cows in the field. We can put a one with two zeros and yeah. know that there's a hundred. Because before we had to put a hundred slots or marks yeah. on a chalkboard. And so once I really think zero to a large degree was what we invented as a placeholder that allowed us to use math that was always there. If this, I, and I don't know if that makes sense. I'm talking, I'm that just does, thinking no, that out loud. That makes sense. That, I, I'm into that. But I think the thing then is every everything that works, works because zero exists, right? Like the computer that we're talking between right now works on binary. The phone that the person uh, that's listening to this right now is listening through works off of some sort of binary code that says one or zero. And so the only two things that matter that can make the entire world function is knowing one and zero. Like that's mathematically all you need to know to figure out the rest of the entire universe. And so if we discover, if we invented zero, then we invented half of mathematics. Does that, I guess we're back to maybe we discovered zero. I guess is what <laughs> is you're it, saying. Yeah. Is it math kind of like the language of science? Like it, it explains a lot of science, correct? Yeah, definitely. So that makes me think it was always there. We just didn't know it yet. We discovered it. Yeah, well, it, but that's the other thing is like unless we base science off of what? What do we know? We don't know. Like we we know nothing. When you try to think of like just we don't even you know nothing, Johnson. <laughs> well, we talk. I mean, my brain is empty. Um. But uh, <laughs> but like when you're talking about like, you know, how much of the ocean floor are we aware of the, do we have mapped? And it's like basically nothing like the amount of knowledge that we yeah. have about the things around us are very limited to what we already understand. Right. And so if we've invented this thing to kind of guide us at some point, maybe we find out that the thing that we invented to uh, to describe the world around us, which we call math, um, is truly just an invention and we realized that, oh, it only works in the situations that were within our fingertips for the last billion years. Does that make any sense? Or am I, like, I might be talking about my ass. Like this is. I'm a little lost. I, okay. So you know the difference between, all right, think about this. I'm, I'm going to okay. just stay with me. Okay. Here. Communication and like language, like English, but just communication and language. Yeah. Which one does math compare most to? Is it communication just like the, the the act of us communicating with each other, not necessarily whatever language we're speaking in. Yeah, I, I would think say so. It well, yeah, yeah, applies uh, more it, to language then. That's I what because, that's what we believe it is. I guess that's that's a good reference point for what I was trying to well, say. Well, because what I was going to Go say ahead. is we invented language. Like we invented English, right. but from the first human on, we were communicating. I mean, we might have been saying, well, instead of saying "Go get that stick," we might have just went like, "Huh." You know, well, like, like, like dogs communicate, right? Like dogs clearly communicate. Right. Um, they don't have language, clearly. but they can still communicate. Like so, that's my freaking bowl back away. 
if you say math is <laughs> if you say math is closer to like language or like a, a, a like a language we speak, then I guess maybe we invented it. But if you say it's closer to communication, then I think but we I think, discovered it and we just put something to I it. I guess my point is we know so little about the universe and and the rules and like we're we're still finding things and we're still like discovering like how black holes work and stuff like that. And that's a majority of our universe is like dark matter. Right. And we don't know like anything about it and the universe is expanding and it like has no edge. Like there's so little we know about everything around us that like this thing that we have invented potentially um, might be eventually figured out to be uh, an invention. And uh, if we discovered it, then it's like, yes, that can explain everything if we follow it deep enough into the rabbit holes. But I think like, it's going to take us knowing everything to know whether or not it's always correct. And until we know that it's always correct, that I can't say that we know that it is a discovery because it might not be inherent. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. It does. But it's... I don't know. So like we might... We will never know for sure. Because are you saying... When will we ever know... Everything? Never. Right. Full, ever. Yeah. <laughs> ever. Never will that happen. Um, one, and, and, and one of the things that I've talked about on this show before is how music is like a, a, a celebration of mathematics because like vibrations are what make everything and like the number of vibrations and the ratios that make them are what make notes sound pretty and stuff. And so that makes me wonder, did we discover music or did we invent music? And I think that's, um, where I tend to go is I think that we discovered music because I don't think that we could have come up with something that amazing. Does that make sense to you? And so then it would hold that in mathematics, we also would have discovered it because it's the same thing because it's all ratios and numbers when it comes down to it. So I think we had to sticking with, I'm sticking with, we discovered it, but I, I don't know though. My brain is so jumbled up right now. Yeah. This is a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I was not prepared to have this conversation. (laughs) So, wow. Good one. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I have to think more on this subject. We can come back to it. And maybe we have like a vote or something. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we don't, but. Well, speaking of music, LJ, we'll wrap up the way we always do with a little what we're listening to. All right, I'm in. And I'll go ahead and kick off just because since he came out with some new music, I've been listening to some Drake. Okay. Any good? I've been listening. He came out with the, the Dark Lane demo tapes, which is like his. Apparently, it's his like pre-release to his album that's coming out in June. Okay. I'm not really sure why. I mean, I don't know why it didn't just come out the album, but maybe it's like to get us all ready for his album. I don't know. But yes, it is good. I enjoy cool. it. But then again, so far, Drake has been able to put out just about anything, and I've been a fan, so yeah. it might take someone that's a little more less biased than I am to give you a good a full review. Is So Far Gone the best musical project he's ever worked on? I'm a big fan of Take Care. Take Care is good. Big fan of Take Care. That's one so and I two. I, I think. That is my favorite from him. Yeah. So Far Gone is great, though. Yeah. So Far Gone is right up there. Yeah. But so that's what, and then I listened to that, and then I did go back, as um, you mentioned it, but I went back and listened to some So Far Gone, yeah. Take Care. Yeah. Nothing was the same. I kind of listened to, to a little more of a discography. But a lot of Drake has been what's on mine, specifically Dark Lane demo tape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, LJ, what have you been listening to? Well, so we've been watching The Last Dance, uh, the Michael Jordan doc, and right. uh, the music in that movie is incredible. I mean, it's just amazing. It's like the who's who of of 90s and late 80s hip hop. Um, LL Cool J, A Tribe Called Quest. Um, particularly, there's a playlist on Spotify that has all of it. Um, oh, and we can't forget the Alan Parsons Project, who uh, wrote Sirius, uh, one of the most hype songs ever written. Um, but, uh, but, uh, Rosa Parks by Outcast has been standing out to me from that. Outcast is such a great band. Um, and I think a little Nas got on oh, there. Oh man. If I ruled the world Nos. by Nas and Ms. Lauren Hill. Yeah. Oh my God. That was, I remember that was on like an NFL of 1998 CD that I had. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, re- I ran that CD. It had that and it had, uh, um, insane in the membrane by Cypress Hill. And man, I wore <laughs> that CD out. <laughs> Um, you're talking about some bangers there. <laughs> uh, but so that, that playlist is really good. Even if you're not watching the documentary, like go listen to that music. If you're at all interested in the hip hop scene of 20 years ago, it is so good. Yeah. All right, pops. What about you? What have you been kind of vibing to? Well, I actually, I've been reading a little more. So just a real quick shout ooh, out to, ooh, okay. uh, to Chuck, Chuck Klosterman. I'm reading his new book. Uh, uh, I will tell you the title when I go look at it. <laughs> it's something like living in a cage or something. It, it starts out. It starts out though, guys, he's on an airplane. He goes to the bathroom and there's a Puma in there. 
and he just says <laughs> so that. It's not. So I come out. So I come it's, out. It's hangover. And I look. I, I said puma. Maybe I don't know what that is. So I look it up, and it's like <laughs> a big cat, like a mountain lion. And I'm like, okay. And so he sees a puma in the bathroom on an airplane. So it starts from there. Ra- raised in captivity. Raised in captivity. Yes, raised in captivity. Yeah. So is this so a, is just, this like his? Is this a fiction book, or is this his normal like essay series, or like what yeah, kind of thing is it? So, so far, it looks like a fiction book. But okay. I'm really. But do you want to tell you? Do you want to tell you the the little quick the first little line of micro doses of the straight dope stories so true they had to be wrapped in fiction for our own protection <laughs> from the best-selling author but what if it were wrong well i started reading it Sounds last night it kind of blew my mind so oh, i'm really into great. that and you guys about want to read it i know you enjoy chuck claus yeah, sounds like the jpp book club right right there sounds like a good one and then just a quick shout out still listen to the beatles sergeant pepper lonely heart club lonely hearts club band one of the best albums of all time, so possibly. Good. I'll probably listen so, to it tonight, actually. Yeah. So listening to Sgt. Pepper's great, great album. Yeah. Good, good stuff. All right. Well, we will be back again next week. Don't forget to go out there, text your nurses, text everyone. Let them Don't know give them a hug, but tell them you love them. True, yeah. <laughs> Unless you've been quarantined with them the whole time, I'd probably avoid the hug for now. <laughs> but but let them know you love them, you shout out to them, and you're really appreciative of everything they do. And that will do it for another episode of the JPB Pod. We will see you again next week. Peace. Peace. So that commercial, by the way, where they're at Sports Center and they're like, uh, in 22 years, this will be a documentary. <laughs> at what point did you guys realize that, that was fake? Seriously, it was like when he was like, they're gonna make a documentary, and I was like, whoa, ESPN made documentaries back then? I need to find some old ESPN documentaries. And he says it's gonna be a 10 part series. I was like, they made 10 part documentaries in 1993? <laughs> what? Or 1998? And so it took me a little while to figure out that that was fake. And uh, I mean, but less than three? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I didn't know. <laughs> less than three. I didn't know for sure right when it started. I was like, dang, that is crazy how close he was. But I mean, I for sure knew by the first one, the first time I heard it. What he was talking about, and they'll probably call it the last dance. And well, so when I heard that, I was like, oh, maybe it was big enough because they mention every now and again that like the last dance is what they were like. Someone says, if this is the so-called last dance, then like that was like a thing that was in the news at the time. So like I was like, yeah. that's viable. But did ESPN make documentaries? And then he said tight pants, and I was like, oh no, that's not right. And then he said.